When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and in today's episode, we're talking about friendship. I have had my guest, Dr. Miriam Kermeyer, on the podcast before talking about adult friendship, and I really wanted to bring her back on to talk about the specific experience of navigating, finding, of really supporting friendships during that transition into becoming a parent. So in this episode, we're talking about how you can prepare your old friendships as you transition into becoming a parent. We talk about the challenges that can come up for those friendships as you navigate that big identity shift. And we also explore some of the ways in which you can find friends once you're in the trenches. The research shows, and many of us can probably say, yes, we agree that having support and having friends who are going through it with you is so critical, but oh my gosh, can it feel hard and awkward for so many reasons? And that's what we are talking about and supporting you with and giving you real strategies to building meaningful friendships in parenthood and sustaining friendships and also having boundaries and navigating the sticky parts of friendships. We're talking about all of it in today's episode. I'm really glad you're tuning in and I'm really excited to introduce you to my friend, Miriam. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next. Listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care. And you are so deserving of that care. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, my friend. I am so excited to be chatting with you again and be talking to you in real time. Really excited to bring you back on to really focus on friendships as a parent. And I, I don't, I'm trying to think back when we initially recorded, were you, did you have a child at the time or were you, were you not a parent yet? You know what? I'm I I'm trying to think myself, and I'm not even sure. I think I may have had my 
first son, but I definitely didn't have my second. So I know our families have both grown since we first connected. (laughs) And I'm so glad that we can do this again. Because yeah, I mean, you know, the the research is ever evolving in the field of friendship. But as I as my family grows, I too am learning all kinds of things about the realities of motherhood and adult friendship. And I just so appreciate all that you do to help us feel a little bit less alone in that. Oh, and same goes to you, and especially on this topic of friendship. So let's let's just dive in. Like first, I'll sh- I'll say that friendships were not something that I when I got pregnant and then had my first. It wasn't something that I really prepared for in terms of like preparing those relationships. It wasn't something I really expected to be a struggle in terms of my friendships that I had before becoming a mom and then (laughs) becoming a mom and, you know, realizing, oh my gosh, like I was the first of all my friends to have a child. And I'm like, I need people, I need people who are like in this with me and I got to make friends. (laughs) Being an adult, the world just like isn't set up to like help us make friends. You know, if you're trying to meet a partner, there's you know, dating apps. And I guess there are some friend apps. We can talk about that in a bit. But there's, you know, dating apps. And it's kind of just like normal to be on those if you're single and looking to meet someone. There's places that you go and there's kind of this expectation a little bit that like you're going to meet people and typically like, you know, yes, friends for sure. But like it's just – it's set up for maybe dating, you know, in terms of meeting other adults. But when you're a child, there's just so many more opportunities kind of just built into the structure of our lives to make friends. And I was out of practice. So like I didn't really – I felt awkward. I it, – it was – oh, it was hard. There were just so many different ways in which that realm of my life in that big transition was challenging and just not something I was prepared for. And you are – the my go to and many go many's go to in terms of talking about adult friendships and so Miriam I'm so glad you're coming on today to chat about this and before we dive in maybe just share this a little bit about you and your background and why this is a topic that you are so passionate about Sure. Well, there, oh my gosh, I just love everything that you just shared. So there's a lot for us to unpack today. Um, I am a clinical psychologist by training, and I spent over a decade or so studying adult friendship. So really looking to answer questions about how do we make friends? How do we maintain our friendships? How do we support our friends and the people in our lives when they're struggling? How do we end our friendships when we no longer feel that sense of connection? And how do we do that in a way that honors both our greater need for connection and our own mental health and well-being? So really looking Mm. to answer all these questions empirically and also noticing that people were very hungry for this information and that we weren't having the kinds of conversations that we really need to be having uh, about the realities of adult friendships. And so from there, started working very closely with different media outlets to share this information, doing a lot of writing, started up my Instagram community, which is a space for us to have these kinds of conversations and for me to be able to make this information a little bit more accessible. And 
also devoting a large part of my private therapy practice to supporting clients who are struggling with various friendship related challenges. So really everything I do kind of ties together under this umbrella of social connection. Um, but I can obviously, you know, relate to this on a personal level too, because one of the things I've seen for sure is that as I go through different life experiences and challenges and phases, my friendships are impacted in different ways. And motherhood was definitely one of those life experiences where I saw a lot of changes in my connections, um, some that were really positive and others that were more difficult and challenging. Mm. I, um, just as you were, as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, as a parent now to three, 10, seven, and one and a half, I was thinking to myself about their world right now, you know, and my, my one and a half year old, like her life is us, you know, and, and she, you know, and it's interesting because I think when my oldest was, was her age, like she had her friends, like we went on like baby play dates all the time. And now the youngest just like comes along with us, you know, and, and, the, and with my middle child, he's actually on a play date with a friend right now. And it was actually, today was his first like drop off at a friend's house from school. Um, he's done that with family and, and, and cousins and stuff before. Um, but we just dropped him off and I'm, you know, thinking about him over with his buddy. And then my oldest, you know, friends are like, she's a pre-tween and friends are becoming her family, you know, and such a bigger, such a more, a bigger, more important part of her life. And also though, navigating now a little bit more of some of the challenges of, of these relationships and, and these friendships. And it's interesting because as a, for a child, we think, I, I, we think so much about child friendships, right? Like teachers, school counselors, um, a child therapist, a lot of things out there written about child friendships and these relationships and a lot of places to go and a lot of ways to kind of support kids in building those really important social connections. And, you know, I think that as as you go through young adulthood, you know, teen years, obviously friends become are like your life, you know, as you start to launch from your from your family and gain more independence and build those stronger bonds and connections. And then college, friends are – you live with your friends and you're navigating not just friendships but now roommates and, you know, it's – you do so much with with those people in your life. And then through young adulthood, you start to become more serious about partner relationships and there's a lot of ways, as I mentioned earlier, that, you know, our society is kind of set up to help you, you know – meet someone romantically and find a partner and then a lot of support also there for ending a relationship um, or navigating the challenges of a partner relationship. But yeah, there came a point after I got married where, you know, my partner was, you know, my biggest, you know, social connection and I started working more. And, you know, I wasn't going out as much in terms of like that kind of social life. And there were definitely the friendships that I maintained and, you know, those those folks who like you don't even need to like talk to them every day anymore, but you pick up the phone or you text and or you see each other and it's like it's it's just that those those really strong bonds and relationships that um 
that maintain. And and again, I think that there's some folks who, as you go through different stages of your life, you reconnect or it starts to kind of fizzle out. Um, but becoming a parent was one of the things that rocked me the most, I think, <laughs> emotionally, mentally, physically, relationally. And I was a therapist at the time. And so, you know, my husband and I, um, we established, you know, we we established some big conversations, engaged in some big conversations about preparing ourselves for that. And there definitely was a lot we still could have done because it still really rocked us. And, you know, I had to live through it to then do the work that I do now to really understand more of like how we need to prepare couples. But in terms of my friends, I just thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to have a baby and they're going to, now they're going to, like they're, they're going to be a huge part of our lives. And so many different things happened. There were – none of my friends had kids that I had already – I was a first, as I said. And so there were there were the friends who kind of – like we kind of lost connection because our lives just looked so different. And I was sad and was grieving the fact that I couldn't go out with them in the same way that I did. Even though there wasn't necessarily a desire to in those same ways, there was grief there. Then there were also, though, the friends who maybe – expected that our friendship was going to look the same mm-hmm. once I became a parent and I I was changing. My availability wasn't the same. My energy wasn't the same. I was someone who always enjoyed being around people, an extrovert at my core, but becoming a parent really pulled out some of my introverted needs and just wanting to be alone. Um, and it was odd because I wanted to be alone, yet I needed connection. But I needed the kind of connection that some of those friends that weren't parents yet couldn't offer, right? Um, and that was really challenging and created tension in those relationships. And then it was the piece around like finding people, you know, <laughs> like finding people who were in that same stage and where do I go and how do we start this relationship? Oh, so so many layers here. Um, And so I'd love to just hear from you, Miriam, when it comes to that transition to becoming a parent and adult friendships. Let's start with like the old friends and then let's move into the new ones, right? Like what are some of your, what is some of your advice in terms of preparing um, those already established friendships when you become a parent? Yeah, it's such a good question. And, you know, as I'm hearing you speak, I, I can't help but think of my own experience and, and how that matches up. There, there are so many takeaways here. I mean, I think one of the truths that a lot of us are confronted with in a very real way is that at the time in our life when we can benefit from social connection the most, right? Motherhood can be really isolating and lonely, and it's incredibly meaningful and challenging, right? And we so desperately want to kind of take on this new role in a way that feels good while also holding on to who we were before. And all of that, our friends play a part in all of that. So at the time in our life when our friendships are so important, they also happen to be the the most challenging to maintain. Because we know, for example, that it takes a certain level of frequency and ongoing commitment to keep our friendships healthy and strong. People have quantified this in terms of how many hours do you need to spend with somebody to make a new friend or to sustain a connection. And so frequency is important, but we are very short on time as parents, especially as new parents, as we're figuring everything out. It also takes 
you know, a lot of energy, right? We need to be on. Um, and whether you're extroverted or introverted, that too can be a challenge in terms of just being present and showing up and listening and being willing to be vulnerable. And uh, again, as new parents, we are often quite exhausted and don't have the emotional bandwidth to show up ourselves or to support somebody else in the way that we'd like, or perhaps in the way that we used to. And so all of that makes it really, really hard. And I think you do such a great job in your work of encouraging these really big, important conversations about what happens perinatal, postnatal, in terms of our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with our bodies, with our partners, with our family members, all of those discussions are so important and really need to be had. And I really see the conversations about our friendships as fitting in under that as well, because they do go through drastic shifts, as you've said, uh, with our friends who perhaps don't have children and with our friends who do, right? And we are forced to a large extent to kind of step outside of our comfort zone if we want to make new connections. And that can bring with it a lot of other challenges mm -hmm. as well. And I, I just hear time and time again how wholly unprepared people feel um, to pursue their friendships in this kind of very intentional way, especially because we haven't necessarily been in that position for a very long time, right? Like mm -hmm. I think a lot of people put themselves back in their certainly teen years, as you were kind of alluding to before, in their college years where they're meeting new people for the first time and uh, willing to accept a little bit of the discomfort and vulnerability that comes with that. But it's been so long for so many people that when we become parents, we just feel so underprepared. And again, we are getting used to this new us in a lot of ways and being asked to be vulnerable in that way. And oh. so- it, it's loaded. It's really, really loaded. So, I mean, you know, back to your question, we can, we can explore any and all of this, but I, I definitely um, can understand and appreciate why this shows up as a particular challenge of motherhood yeah. and of parenthood for so many people. Yeah. So let's say the listener is expecting mm -hmm. and maybe it's their first or second or third. And they either know because they've done it before or they're, they've heard, okay, this is going to be a huge transition. They're listening to this episode. They're like, okay, friendships, my friendships matter to me. Yes. What, what is a conversation or do is there a conversation that somebody who is anticipating the transition into becoming a parent can have with their friends, yeah. um, the already established friends? Are there things that we can be bringing up or talking about or boundaries or yeah. needs? Are there are there conversations that we can be having that can really help um, kind of be a protective factor when it comes mm -hmm. to these relationships? Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is opening up the dialogue before we get to the place where things really change because we're able to then practice that kind of vulnerability with our friends. Um and then revisit that, you know, if, if or when things change, but I say if, but they, so they certainly do in a lot of ways. I think the first step is really to communicate how much you value the friendship, right? Mm -hmm. And really highlighting, even though things can change and things probably will change, I want you to know how important you are to me and that I'm bringing mm -hmm. 
this potential shift up because I value our relationship and because I want to find a way to navigate this together in a way that feels good for both of us, right? And the specifics of the conversation will obviously differ depending on whether your friend is also a parent in terms of what their availability is and Mm -hmm. what parts of this they'll relate to. But the truth is that no uh, child rearing experiences are alike. So even if we're speaking with our friends who themselves are parents, the specifics will vary. And so I think at the core, what we really want to communicate is our ongoing commitment to the friendship, that we value this other person, that we value our connection, we value our friendship history. I talk a lot about that in terms of, you know, all the meaningful experiences and moments that you've shared before that have brought you together, really honoring that and starting to have a conversation about how things might differ. And some of the themes that can be helpful to explore, one relates to time, right? Again, I said before that frequency is important. We want to make time for the important people in our lives, but we will be short on time. And so making sure that we let a friend know that if there are moments where we're unavailable, that it's not necessarily a reflection of the friendship whatsoever, right? But that you are also willing to receive feedback if they feel like they are being left out or left behind, right? Just just opening up that channel for a dialogue about how often you're connecting. And of course, the types of activities that you're doing together, right? So letting a friend know, you know, there are certain activities that I'm anticipating I might not be able to do, but here are the things that we've done in the past that I'd really like to continue prioritizing. What are the aspects of our friendship that you really value? Because I want to make sure that you feel heard. This is a theme that I often hear. I mean, I myself am a mother, obviously, so I relate often to the perspective of the friend who is short on time and short on energy, right? But I also know that, um, you know, people who don't have children, they also don't want to feel like their schedule doesn't matter or is somehow less valuable. And so I think that is really a key part of the conversation too, is making sure that both people feel like they have space Uh, to contribute their experiences, but also that their schedules matter and that their time matters and that things aren't always revolving around the kid's schedule. And that's a really, really hard balance to strike because there are practical limitations that are very hard to understand and appreciate unless you're a parent. Um, But, but one experience doesn't trump the other. And that really needs to be felt across the board. And I think that the best way to feel that is to talk about that because otherwise, you know, difficult feelings can build and resentment builds and we're likely to make assumptions about what somebody else is thinking or feeling or how, how much they appreciate us and how respected we feel. And so I think that's just why talking about what's really going on and and this idea of metacommunication, which is something that I really highlight, which is just the experience of talking about communication, right? How often are we speaking? How are we speaking? What are we speaking about? Is this working for you? That really is at the core of navigating this. I'm just, I'm reflecting on my first, my first go around and second. And I, I think that if there's, there's several friendships that if we had had those conversations, if I had been proactive, if we had been proactive, it would have been really protective against some of the resentment and pain and again like you said like misunderstandings and assumptions that were then made and then the you know the really tense uh, situations that came up from that it would have been really really important because the truth is is that you know 
these relationships were important to me. But when I had my first, I was struggling and my partner was struggling and there was shame around Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. which can oftentimes show up. And what does shame often create? Isolation, right? Disconnection. And disconnect. And I – I can't let you in because then you'll see how messy this is. And I like I've as as a recovering perfectionist, the idea of like letting someone into that was way too vulnerable, yeah. right? Um, but what I actually needed was connection, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, and I think I needed, and I think that I what I, I needed to be seen, and I needed to be able to be open and honest about all the things that I was feeling really vulnerable about. And I don't necessarily know if I felt like I could do that with folks who hadn't been in it, right, mm-hmm. in terms of being a parent. And I think that that was hard too, right, like to be able to to know that like the, these people that, that I had cared so much about, I didn't know if they could offer what I needed, right? Mm-hmm. But I also didn't want to show them and it just – it built – it built it built so much tension, I think, and resentment, as you said, and it was so painful and challenging and took for some of these relationships years to come back and look back and repair, you know um, and so I think that these these conversations, as you're saying, are so important to have before like, as much as you can before you're in it. But can I ask you this? If you're if someone's listening, they're like, I am already in it. Like yeah. there's already tension. Yeah. There's already like disconnect. Maybe there's already been, you know, like distance now or like a blow up. Mm-hmm. But I like, can I do it now? Like once I'm already yeah. in it, like is it is it too late? Definitely not. Definitely not. I mean, I think yeah. that what we're really talking about here is reevaluating the importance that we place on open communication in our friendships. And we yeah. very much value that and speak openly about that in our romantic relationships. That's not to say it's easy to do, but <laughs> we hear that narrative a lot, right? Have open and honest communications, be transparent, be vulnerable. And we don't emphasize that in our friendships the same way. So it's never too late to start reevaluating that. Now, I think there's, again, so many helpful pieces in what you just shared because vulnerability doesn't necessarily need to be given freely. And what I mean by that is sometimes we do need to make a conscious decision and we should really be thoughtful and intentional with who we reach out to, right? When we're struggling and Mm -hmm. we don't, need to feel that pressure to open up to everyone around us, right? Just because we've known someone for longer, because we've put a certain label on that friendship, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're the best person to support us in that moment or to help us feel seen. And so that's the part that we want to take responsibility for is, yes, gently encouraging ourselves to be a little bit more open and vulnerable and disclosing, but also to think very carefully about who we're reaching out to. And it's okay to set certain boundaries that other people might not even know about, right? But boundaries when it comes to who I choose to turn to when I am just feeling so overwhelmed about the realities of parenthood, right? Or when I'm just feeling so overstimulated or when I'm feeling angry or resentful, right? The the people who come to mind when we're thinking about these different challenging parts might be very different. 
And along yeah. those lines, being celebratory and embracing joy can also be really vulnerable and and uncomfortable for a, for a lot of us sometimes. And so thinking about who are the people who I really want to turn to when I'm celebrating a parenting win or, um, you know, when I'm navigating the transition um, to the workplace after after maternity leave, right? The answer to these questions can depend. And I think that's the piece that we also really want to be intentional about. Mm. But to answer your question, no, it's never too late. And I think part of it is just making that decision that this matters and that there's value to this kind of transparency. Um, and I think when we choose to do that, that can obviously feel very scary, but there are ways to do that that make us feel a little bit safer. So one of the strategies that I really like to share is to lead with curiosity, right? This is something I've noticed in our friendship. I'm noticing these feelings within myself. I'm noticing the shift. I'm, I'm feeling like there's a bit of distance between us. Is this something that you two are picking up on? Mm -hmm. And what is that like for you? And approaching it from that place of, of openness and an invitation to engage is a really helpful starting point because we don't need to have all the answers, right? We don't need to come into a discussion with our friends saying, here's exactly what's happening and here's how we fix it because our perspective is just that. It's our perspective and they might have a slightly different perspective. Mm. And the key is we really want to see those kinds of discussions as an opportunity to collaborate. How can we come up with a strategy or solution here or approach that feels good for us? Because what works for one friendship may very well not work well in another. As a mom to three, my partner and I find that one of the biggest struggles we have faced in our relationship is navigating sharing responsibilities and the mental load. And I know that we're not alone because this shows up with all of my clients and in every podcast episode, the mental load of parenting shows up in some way or another. Enter the scene, coexist. Coexist is the app that's revolutionizing how couples manage the mental load of household tasks and childcare. It's like having a personal assistant right in your pocket, helping you and your partner effortlessly share tasks, plan meals, collaborate on lists, and even give each other kudos along the way. Here's the cherry on top for my amazing community. Coexist is offering an exclusive deal. Sign up for a two week free trial before June 15th, and you'll get 15% off the annual plan on iOS with the code Dr. Cassidy 15. So what are you waiting for? Really take that first step towards a more harmonious home life today. Download coexist on Android or iOS at getcoexist.com. The load in our home has been feeling a little bit lighter since downloading Coexist, and yours can feel lighter too when you download the Coexist app at getcoexist.com. Since becoming a parent and as I've gotten older, I've become a lot more mindful of the supplements and products that I use, and that's why I love Peary. These are natural food supplements that I trust completely. Let's talk a bit about collagen. So collagen is so important for our bodies, but our natural production of it slows as we get older. So I've learned. And quality supplements support our muscle, bone, and joint health. Recently, I've been taking Puri's CP1 Pure Collagen Peptides. It was number one out of 28 collagens tested by the Organic Consumers Association and Clean Label Project. 
There are enough hard decisions that we make every day as parents, and this makes Puri an easy choice. See and feel the difference with Puri. I know you'll love their supplements as much as I do. Puri is offering my listeners an amazing deal, 20% off site-wide. Just go to my special URL, puri.com backslash Dr. Cassidy, and use my promo code, Dr. Cassidy. So go to P-U-O-R-I.com slash Dr. Cassidy. Don't miss out. Use promo code, Dr. Cassidy at Puri.com backslash Dr. Cassidy. Oh, so much of what you said here resonates. And to the piece here around, you know, every relationship is going to vary. And as you make this transition to becoming a parent and your identity shifts and your needs change and who you choose to open up with about what is something that really we should be pausing and asking ourselves in terms of like, has is this the right person for this part of myself that I want to yeah. share? Um, and I, I oftentimes encourage um, expecting parents to take stock of their relationships family relationships, friendships before they have their child and looking at their their support system as a whole, right? And kind of really identifying the different relationships and the different ways in which each of these relationships um, can show up for you, right? And also in terms of it's not just what they can do for you, but like how the, the importance of the relationship and what you want to be able to continue in terms of supporting them as well. But when you're going through this big transition, like let's call it what it is. Like that's, you, that's, where, that's where your head's at often, yeah. You have so many needs. You're yeah. in the trenches. There's it's it's such a vulnerable experience. And so, you know, a lot of times when we take stock of these relationships, friendships and family relationships, there's going to be some potential grief in the sense that like, I really want this one person to be able to show up for me in this way and offer yeah. this kind of support. But what history has shown me or what they're showing me now um, is that I don't think that they can or that it is the right fit for this need for this person to come in in this role as a support and maybe there's something else that they can do and offer yes. right yeah. um, in terms of showing up for you and offering support and I think acknowledging those things is really important being able to communicate yes. um directly to these different relationships. And like you said, sometimes we don't even communicate it directly. Like this is not something that you can do for me or that, 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 I, that, I, that I need from you or that I want you to show up as a, in this way. Sometimes we don't even need to do it directly, but we just – we know what our boundary is. Yeah. And sometimes we do communicate it directly when that's called for. Um, and also being able to communicate what it is that we – how we do feel like that we like for them to be involved or in, in our family's life as, as our family is growing. Um, and sometimes yeah. that's the friend that can make you laugh, right? And like that you know that you're just going to go – you're going to spend time with them and you're not even going to think about being a parent. <laughs> like you mm -hmm. can just like have so much fun and laugh. And then there's a person that you know that you can – be really real with about the things that are really hard. There's a person that you know is going to show up on time and they're going to help out around the house or they, they are going to they, – they're really good at organizing things or planning things or they make a really mean casserole, right? Like <laughs> the different ways that people can show up for you and acknowledging that like those on the other end, they're, those relationships – 
those human beings are also going to maybe have their own expectations of their mm-hmm. own of their role or what that relationship is going to look like. And so there does need to be in some ways when, you know, some open communication. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, it I goes, think I think it goes for the whole support system, right? Definitely. Yeah. No, I think there's, there's two pieces in that that I see as also being crucial to the kinds of conversations we want to be having with our friends about our friendships, right? It's also about how are you experiencing me and what do you feel like I can be doing for you? Um, Because maybe there's something that I can do, or maybe there's a way that I can explain why I'm not able to do that. Or maybe there's a way that we can just sit in this a little bit together and, and yeah, experience the grief of, of what used to be in our relationship Um, so that can be important, but the other piece of this is the support piece, right? And being explicit about what we find helpful. And I think here, part of the struggle is that we're not used to doing that in our friendships. We're not often used to doing that as women, right? Being clear about what we need and, and what kind of help we need. Um, and we're really not used to doing that when it comes to, being in a caregiver role because we are so focused on caring for this new baby and our families um, that to think about what do I need and what can somebody do for me feels very overwhelming. And I think, yeah, it's that, it's that balance between taking responsibility in terms of who we reach out to um, And being thoughtful about what it is we need, but also letting people in and letting people support us in a way that's actually going to be helpful because people generally want to be helpful, right? We just aren't so well equipped often to support people in the way that they need to be supported. We turn to statements that are overwhelmingly positive that maybe don't reflect, you know, a lot of the difficult feelings of ambivalence that's showing up, or we're sometimes much more focused on the baby than we are the parents or the mother in particular, or we're really focused on being a great source of emotional support when maybe what a friend needs is somebody to hold the baby for however many minutes so that, you know, you can go take a shower or a nap. And we overlook the value of some of those more kind of instrumental practical types of support. And so being able to have a conversation about what we need and again, opening up the dialogue and the channels of communication, because that will shift, right? There may be moments in which we really need that shower. And there might be moments in which we just want to sit with a friend and vent about how difficult the day was in a way that helps us Mm -hmm. to feel seen. And so if you've already opened up the communication, or if you make that effort to open up those lines of communication, then you can revisit that, you know, when things ebb and flow. Absolutely. Okay. So... You're now let's say you're in it and you're like, I gotta make some mom friends or friends that are parent friends or friends that are in the same season of life as me. Um, because we all know I don't maybe we don't all know, but I know it's life-giving. So yes. hear me on that. It's so life-giving to have folks that you can just really be yourself with, um, who are also in the same season of life as you. But oh my gosh, it's tricky to make friends when you're a parent and you're at any stage um, as a parent and just as an adult in general. Mm-hmm. Um, when I look, when I look to like, when I look to like my friends right now, um, well, let me, let me look back to like my first mom friends. And so how I made my first mom friends back in the day when my oldest was little, so 10 years ago, was attending, um, it was a breastfeeding support group. And 
I like looked around and I saw a mom. Her name's Abby. <laughs> She's also a therapist and we're still friends. Um, I saw this mom that looked – she just looked nice, right? Yeah, just like yeah. looked like someone that would be nice. And I went and I sat and I like it was intentional about sitting next to her. Mm-hmm. And I was intentional about like saying hi, how old's your baby? Um, and just asking some questions to get to know her. I found out she was a therapist also, and our our girls were the same age. Um, I think I asked her, like, if she was on Facebook, and I, like, stalked her a little on Facebook after, and then I said, oh, are you going to be here next week? Um, I don't think I got her number that time. Then the next week, she was there. I sat next to her again. We ended up exchanging digits. I, um, like, messaged her a couple days later, like, if she wanted to, like, come over and have a little baby a play date you know like they yeah. the, the kids weren't the babies weren't gonna be playing so it was more like <laughs> it her was more for you. Yeah. <laughs> and she had a friend who had also had a baby around the same time and asked if she could come too and then our friendship circle started to grow I think we eventually all started like a little Facebook group chat um where like at any or like a text chain um but I think it was on Facebook and so we would like at any hour of the day, middle of the night, like be sending messages, asking questions. Ended up being um, a few of us. There was Simone and Allison. And, you know, it's so interesting because I don't see them any as much anymore because once the girls started school and yeah. they started making their own friends and we each started having our own children and people moved. And, but, you know, we still, we still stay connected and these, these women are, I will always remember them as like my first mom friends and just getting me through that first year of my daughter's life in so many ways. Um, they were there when I had my miscarriage. I still have vivid memories of like those text messages that I sent and those calls that I received and the meals that I received and the support and love and the attendance of that first birthday. And those are the f- people that were there. And, you know, it, it was it was really vulnerable though to put myself out there and to ask. It felt like dating. It felt like yeah. asking for the number and like asking for that first date mm-hmm. and then feeling each other out and like hoping that they feel that they're driving with me if I'm driving with them. And I mean that could happen on a playground or at a you know for me it was putting myself out there to go to like a support group and even once yeah. breastfeeding got a little bit easier, it kept going. Um, and now when I think about my friendships now, a lot of my friends actually my, – my parent friends are actually um, friends of my my children's friends' parents, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, my 10-year-old and my 7-year-old, like part of, part of my role as a parent is to be – I see is to be invested in getting to know the parents of my children's friends so that we can build – trust there as we start to do play dates and maybe one day sleepovers and um, just getting to know those families. And there's definitely been the ones where it hasn't, we haven't made that, like that has been that spark or that connection, or it just doesn't feel like the right fit. Um, and that's always interesting to navigate too, right? As a child continues to be friends with that family and, and navigating those things. But then there's also the friend, the friends, parents where you're just like, oh yeah, we can hang out. <laughs> like, um, and now, you know, we even travel together sometimes. And now those are like my closest friendships right now, really. Um, 
that I talk to weekly um, because the kids are wanting to make plans with each other. And um, it's just it's just interesting how throughout my different seasons as a parent, it's it's shifted, right, to being child child led or versus me sort of leading it, like making a play date, even though the kids aren't playing to now, like yeah. the kids want to make a play date. And now I'm trying to see like, oh, can we also hang out? You yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just interesting how it kind of shifts. I do feel like it's a little bit easier now that the kids are older um, just because it kind of like they have their sports and their activities and now their things where their friends are coming together have kind of brought us together. But in that first year of life, it was it's, – it's on you and it was scary and you're already so vulnerable. And so I know I just talked a lot, but I'd love <laughs> to hear okay. from you, Miriam, in, in terms of like, you know, once – once you are a parent, like how yeah. how do we make friends? I mean, I shared a little bit about my how I did, but I'd yeah. love to hear any tips and support and advice you have for the listeners yes. in terms of so, making yeah. friends. There really is no one way to do it, but the shared truth is that it does necessitate us stepping outside of our comfort zone for many people and at the very least stepping outside of the cocoon that that many of us create when we're you know a new parent and that can be a little daunting but it certainly is worth it and i think one of the first things we can do to meet and connect with new friends is to challenge some of the assumptions that we make because two of the very common and very tricky um, mindsets that we get into is we underestimate both the extent to which other people are actually interested in making friends in general and interested in us. Mm -hmm. And we also underestimate um, how much we'll benefit from meaningful friendships, certainly, but even casual connections. There's really interesting research that uh, came out not too long ago showing how much we actually benefit from a casual chance encounter with a stranger, right? So even if it's a fellow mom on the playground and we don't exchange digits, but you just have a you know a nice little catch up mm. and are able to connect with another adult while your kids are on you know the slide, that too can do us a lot of good when it comes to our need for mm. feeling connected to people, um, mm -hmm. to, to adults, right? And so I think that that's a really important place to start is to acknowledge, yes, it's going to be hard, but yes, it's very much worth it. You um, didn't ask about this, but we see, for example, that feeling connected to our friends and again, our communities and strangers is one of the most powerful predictors of how happy we are, how healthy yeah. we are, and how long we live. So oh, yeah. it really, in many ways, is a non-negotiable that a lot of us tend to negotiate, right? We say, I'll invest in my friendships when, when everyone else's needs are taken care of, when I've when I've mm -hmm. set up successful playdates for my kids and, and that's taken care of, then I can call a friend and connect with a friend. Mm -hmm. And of course, there are practical barriers, but I think we really want to again, be a little bit more intentional with, with where our friendships fall in our list of priorities. Yeah. So to acknowledge that, yes, it's worth it. And then, okay, well, where do we go from there? Right. And yeah. I think the best advice that I have is to put yourself in places where you are likely to connect with other parents, right. Other moms, um, especially if you're looking to make other mom friends. And so sometimes that is a public space, like a playground, like a library, uh, 
you know, picking up your kids from school. Sometimes that's being very intentional about seeking out a class, right? A music class for babies, some kind of gymnastics class, um, putting yourself in a place where you'll connect with other people who are going through a similar life experience, who have children around a similar age, that can be very helpful. And then the third piece that is very helpful is to leverage your existing social network, right? Mm -hmm. Letting people know that you are looking to make friends, that you're open to making friends, be proactive and put together your own, you know, mom and baby group and see who you can invite invite along. And if you can be the initiator in that sense, that's all really, really helpful. You know, you're probably picking up on some, um, hesitancy in my voice. And that's not because any of these strategies don't work. They, they do. But when we're talking about friendship, there's so many different levels to it. Right. And I mm-hmm. said before that we don't want to minimize the importance of casual connections. And I think that is very true and, and something a lot of us do. But the truth is a lot of people are also really hungry for close, meaningful friendships. And they might feel like they have those moments of casual connection, but they really want their people. They really want to find those other parents that they can turn to, like you said, in the middle of the night through a text message or when things get really hard. And if we want to cultivate those types of connections, vulnerability is obviously essential. Frequency is obviously essential in terms of how often we chat and connect, but we also want to broaden the relationship, right? And it's so easy when we're meeting friends right away to focus on our kids, right? The thing we have in common, the thing that's, that's right in front of us that we obviously cherish so deeply. And that is a great starting point, right? Um, But if we want to build a friendship that exists independent of our children's lives, we need to be open about ours. And Mm -hmm. so I think that that is a strategy that a lot of us overlook because it, we don't think of it because we're thinking of other people because it feels scary and vulnerable because we're not used to doing that with new people. But if we can broaden out the relationship and deepen it and talk about the things that are really going on in our life and who we are, those are the friendships that have the best chance of getting off the ground and becoming not just casual acquaintances, but close friends. It's so interesting. I'm thinking just about a couple of my closest relationships right now and friendships. And each of them, there was a point in the friendship, like it was, it was our, it was our kids that brought us together in one way, shape, or form. But then there was something else that branched off that really deepened the friendship. So, um, for with one friend, um, my friend Maya, she, her son and my son were buddies, and so we had a play date, and. During the play date, we started talking about challenges that both of us were having in our partner relationship at the time. And it just deepened the friendship. Like, and just to see how we both were able to talk about it with each other and without any, without judgment and be really real and supportive and also like laugh at certain things. Like, it just, it, it quickly deepened it. And this is someone who now, like, our boys are our buddies, but like we're friends. Like we're we're friends. And then I'm thinking about my other friend. They all start with M. It's funny, Milena. And our girls were friends, and so our daughters, and so that brought us together. Um, but then our careers. And she she started asking me about because um, she's a health coach. They're talking to me about like branding and marketing and podcasting. And I was all like, the things that you're it, so good at. Yeah. Yes. Well, and the things that just light me up. And so yeah. the fact that we could have these other conversations outside of, you know, the fact that we are parents to daughters of the same age that are in the same class, it deepened that friendship. And now we, we chat all the time. And I'm thinking about another friend, Meryl, who we, during the pandemic, you know, when we couldn't see each other, 
um, we both discovered. Um, well, first it was me sharing with her, hey, I'm reading this book. I don't know if you're into this kind of thing, but it's like adult fantasy. And she looked at me and she's like, are you kidding me? Like, I like, you know, we both loved Harry Potter when we were younger. And so now we've just like transitioned just into like more of these adult fantasy novels. And we, I was like, I'm reading this book called A Court of Thorns and Roses. I was ask you what it's called because <laughs> yes. I will be part of this fantasy book club. <laughs> oh my gosh. And she, I just like described it a little bit for her. And she was like, I am so in. Yeah. And we talk every day now like mm-hmm. about like we have gone through now so many different like series like right now we're in the blood the blood and ash series and we're just like the new book just came out and we we're like so like, just before this recording like she was like oh my gosh chapter 44 like <laughs> I just I live in this chapter now like a goodbye human world this is now my existence and we yeah. just we get each other. We have – like now that um, we can be with each other because um, restrictions have lifted and we're vaccinated, like she co- she comes over with like pointy fair- fairy ears oh and we gosh. like wear – like we're just – it's just so – like we talk about our kids and we talk yeah, about yeah, yeah. all that good stuff too. But like now there's just this other stuff, right? And so like being able to like, as you said – find open up in other ways like have other branches of yourself that can show up in these relationships those are the friendships that just fill me up right um we can talk about our kids and sometimes our kids even like you know might drift apart but like we stay connected because exactly Exactly. you're my you're you're my friend too now like you're my person too you know um And I, I'm so glad that you kind of named that um, because I, I think that it's it, it was like a it was a, not a, not necessarily a risk but a vulnerability to be like can we talk about these other things too mm-hmm. can I open up about my my partner relationship can I talk to you about these kind of books that I like to read um, and not everybody's gonna jive and then you're gonna realize that not everybody's the right fit right exactly. um, but how beautiful it is when you open yourself up and you discover that you are. Oh, yeah. feels so good. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And I think I, I appreciate you kind of, you know, putting that into an experience that so many of us can relate to because that, again, type of vulnerability and deepening of our friendship, of our independent friendship is often what makes a difference between the types of connections that are very present and very meaningful early on or at a particular point of parenthood um, from those that persist and are able to withstand the ups and downs. And so I think we want to simultaneously acknowledge that not all of our friendships will last. And that's certainly true of the friendships we make as parents. Um, But that if we want to create certain connections that will, or if we want to be able to kind of suss out those that will, this type of openness is such an important way to do that. Yeah. I want to – so you said something earlier, like putting yourself out there saying like, hey, I'm trying to make Mm -hmm. some friends or like (laughs) – and I was like, okay, yes. And like, and then how? How do we do that? And the first thing I thought about was like the digital arena, like, right? So Facebook, Instagram, like – you know, <laughs> and then, and then, yes, it's vulnerable um, to be like, hey, um, you know, my, my, I'm looking to make some play dates. Is anybody, you know, in this area? Like, I'm trying to start to think, how do we actually do this? Right. Like, yeah. how do we actually say, um, I'm available? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and then, how do we, how can, like, I mean, my, my, one of my best friends, um, 
it I met on Instagram. Like she she was actually a blogger and like I was commenting on some of her stuff and then she, you know, flipped over to my my account and started commenting on stuff. It, it moved to DMs, it moved to like getting the number, yeah. it moved to like meeting up in real life, like a real digital, like modern day like friendship. Um and you know I think the digital space can be a beautiful place for these connections to build. Do you just have any, maybe just a, a couple tips for how we can use the digital space to build yeah. modern day relationships and friendships? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the first thing is there's there can be a lot of pressure to show up in digital places and spaces and to feel like we need to be present in all ways in order to have the best chance of success. And I think we really want to do away with that pressure, right? Because one, it's absolutely not sustainable from a friendship perspective. We can't sustain an endless number of communication, like of connections and communications at one time. Uh, It's also wholly unsustainable when it comes to the link between technology and our mental health. We need a little bit of a break, right? And it's also not helpful because we don't want to, again, connect with anyone. We want to connect with the right people. And so being intentional about where we're choosing to show up. And sometimes that means, yeah, where, you know, I really want to make local friends. So where am I most likely to connect with people who live around me where we can form some kind of a play group or be able to see each other one-on-one or take walks uh, to the park together. And sometimes it's about something a little bit more niche related to your life experience, right? I'm navigating this particular parenting challenge right now, or I'm raising a child with special needs. And I really want to be able to connect with parents who are going through a similar experience to feel supported, to exchange advice and let that be kind of the guiding principle and the guiding force when it comes to choosing where we show up and where we invest our time and our energy. And so I've definitely heard lots of success stories of people, um, you know, meeting friends through Instagram, through Facebook. I, people also have sometimes, um, you know, mixed perspectives or even ambivalence about a lot of the Facebook parenting groups or parenting groups in general, because it can be information overload and because people are very quick to exchange advice when maybe that's not really what we're looking for. That's not realistic for our family. But again, if you're intentional with, with which groups you choose to, um, show up in and be a part of. And if we share a little bit about who we are and what we're looking for, people respond to that really positively. And so using social media can be one strategy. We you kind of alluded to this before. There are also specific apps for people to meet and make friends. And when it comes mm-hmm. to motherhood, there's peanut, which is specifically for mm-hmm. moms. And so I've heard from a lot of clients and I've showed up on there myself with people who have been able to yeah, meet other parents near them and you can kind of build closeness and connection over time right because it's not just about what we chat about it's also how and I think your story before touched on this so beautifully right it can feel a lot more vulnerable to meet up one-on-one than it can sometimes in a group setting and it can feel a lot more vulnerable to for example pick up a phone and call somebody right than it can to send a quick text message and so we can kind of build intimacy over time by opening up a little bit more and also by expanding the ways that we connect and so Mm -hmm. maybe the first step step is you know, reaching out on Instagram to somebody that you've kind of been casually connected with in some way or to initiate a new connection and then over time move to the DMs and then over time exchange phone numbers and start texting or send voice notes. That's another thing that mm-hmm. I'm using more and more of both personally and professionally. And I know you, like you said before, you and I have exchanged those yeah. and it just feels a little bit more personal. And yeah. what that does is it allows us to build closeness, but it also is indicative of a desire to connect, right? It communicates yeah. 
again, I value our connection and I'm willing to put in a little bit more effort than a quick emoji, right? Or than a quick text message. And I want to feel like we are a little bit closer um, in space. And so that is really powerful too. Mm, yeah. I And to, in voice messages, whether it's through text or through DM, I mean, like, I like I have children crawling all over me. Like I I don't like writing things out. Like it's it's also like it, it's 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 a deeper connection because I love just to hear somebody's voice and it just feels like a lot more practical and realistic yes. for like well, the stage of life I'm in. And yeah, absolutely. And you're you know you're making me think of another point here, which is uh, so. Technology is wonderful in so much as we use it again intentionally and thoughtfully and responsibly. Um, but it does a disservice when we feel that pressure to put forth an overly curated version of ourselves or of parenthood or motherhood. And a lot of people feel that pressure for various reasons. And the difficulty is that, again, that does little when it comes to cultivating true connection, right? People relate to authenticity. People crave that, right? We don't want to feel like somebody is giving us a half a version of themselves. We want we, we want the mess, right? We will, we relate to the mess. That's what helps it to feel a little bit more um, real and balanced. And so I think that's where it can be a little bit tricky navigating the world of social media, especially as a mom, because we do feel that pressure to be the perfect parent to have it all together. And that's wholly unsustainable and unhelpful when it comes to friendships and relationships. <laughs> so true. Miriam, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. So grateful to call you a colleague and a friend. And I'm so glad that Instagram brought you into my life. Uh, where can folks who are listening continue to follow your work and connect with yeah. you? Well, thank you. I, I'm so grateful for our connection too. The best way to um, follow my work. So I have an Instagram community, like I shared before, which is at Miriam Kermeyer. And I have lots of free resources available on my website. So if you check out miriamkermeyer.com, you can find podcast episodes like this one here, um, articles, interviews about all things friendship, uh, not just motherhood and friendship, but kind of across the board. And you can also sign up for my newsletter community where I share a little bit more uh, in-depth guidance on some of these topics. Amazing. I will be sure to share links to all this in the show notes. The listener can go right there to connect with you. Thank you so much, my friend. It was so great to chat with you again. Thank you. Likewise. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when future episodes air. And go and explore some of those past episodes. Maybe there's a topic in there that you've really been wanting to learn more about. You can learn more about my private practice as well as my parenting courses and workshops at the link in the show notes. You held space for yourself today. You carved out the time and you tuned into this episode. I hope you take a moment to honor how meaningful that is. Yes, to me for sure, but also for you. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.